Hey, good afternoon. It's 50, yeah? Uh, let me do one more. It is deceptively simple. Exchange your dollars, walk a couple of hundred yards, get your passport stamped, keep walking, wave off the taxistas and the hustlers, sit on a plastic chair and order an al pastor torta, a sandwich so heavy with meat and mayonnaise and jalapenos that it can only mean one thing. You are in Mexico, just past the San Isidro port of entry, one of the busiest border crossings in the world. Easy. It's also incredibly complicated. I happen to have been born in the land of the blue passport, not the green, and to have walked from north to south, not the other way around, so I cannot mistake my own convenience for the whole truth of this particular line in the sand. The border may be fluid for me, but it is increasingly impermeable for the afflicted, the poor, the asylum seekers from everywhere south of the line. The trip is launching five weeks in pre-COVID Tijuana. Here is what I hope to do with these shows. 
Over alcohol and other delights, I wanted to introduce you to a third group. Not quite gringo, not quite Mexican, but instead a border people, with one foot on either side of the wall. These are the Tijuanenses, natives of a still undefeated city, so sketchy, so vibrant, so ready to take its place as one of the great border towns on earth. I have a particular interest in this tribe, a particular belief in the destiny of good things from Tijuana. My mother-in-law was born here to a family that had been uprooted during the Mexican Revolution, came north to TJ, and then eventually headed further to Los Angeles. They worked in meat packing plants, did laundry and housekeeping. Their daughter, Christina, started calling herself Chris, cut her hair, met a Japanese-American dude, raised the woman that I would eventually marry, and all the while, she was climbing every last rung of the American dream. With a master's degree, a home on the west side of LA, a little Fiat Spider sports car with a vanity plate. These are Tijuanenses with dreams too big to be walled in. I owe a lot in my life, in my kids' lives, to their generational hustle. The hustle is strong with our first guests in Tijuana, Eduardo Chavarin, a designer and entrepreneur who has styled the border life as well as anyone. His streetwear brand Naco gave voice to a revolution of reclaimed pride in Mexico. And in the years since, he has brought his humor and flair to everything from music festivals to mezcal. We drank green smoothies with cactus and celery, and we talked about the cross-border California life, one which we are all looking forward to getting back to after the pandemic. And here's a disclaimer that's actually fun to read. You'll notice that in this episode, we talk a bit about the current U.S. president. We were referring to Donald J. Trump. He is no longer president. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. All right, let's get started. Eduardo, what did you bring to drink? I brought green juice. Well, well, I would say uh, air quotes on green uh, from my not-so-favorite place in Tijuana because it's a holiday, and my favorite juice place wasn't open yeah. it's, it's not that it's my favorite because it's amazing it's just the one that it's convenient to me you know the one that it's on on my side of the street i guess and i don't have to turn around and do and all of those do all those like yeah tricky tijuana traffic moves exactly um, so it's supposed to be green juice with nopal and celery and and all that stuff but but i'm i'm halfway committed to it because i always add pineapple because i need to make it a little sweet I'm I'm not too much into the bitter. Juice. You're not like a kale smoothie. No, kind of dude. no, no. Okay. I mean, if it has a lot of orange juice and pineapple to to balance it out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I'm I'm trying to do the I guess I that's what my wife and I say. We kind of behave during the weekday, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and try to do the greens and the juices and stuff because by Thursday night, Friday night, there's always... 
it's a something flowing right it's a fucking national holiday today (laughs) yeah but it's a monday and i work in the u.s mostly so so i know the emails are are trickling in (laughs) i was texting my wife and i was like i I had just assumed that the kids were not in school and i was Mm -hmm. like it's a fucking dia de la and then i was like oh okay yeah they're in new york exactly nobody nobody cares about about pancho villa Uh, and emiliano zapata (laughs) yeah exactly so um all right well you've done sort of a soft sell on this off green juice <laughs> very um, soft yeah <laughs> but i'm i'm gonna try it anyway is this a first for the podcast a green juice i think it might be yeah it's usually i mean it's usually just like uh absinthe and rubbing alcohol oh. <laughs> uh, no we, we we dabble in the in the you know i did go to iraq during ramadan so it's uh-huh. not like every episode has alcohol uh-huh. sometimes you're just drinking water or tea right um uh but so what's the verdict on the it's good yeah it's i mean i i i lack the palate maybe of, mm-hmm. of different juices like are there like juice connoisseurs would be like that probably balance yes. it. Yeah. um but i i like this idea i mean listen mm-hmm. i i am not the first american to come to tijuana and just eat a bunch of fucking tacos and drink tequila mm-hmm. till late in the night <laughs> but i'm definitely one of those americans so if we can start this morning out with like a nice right green juice mm-hmm. salud with green juice salud <laughs> yeah that's good and it's got the nopal nopal right it's got a bit of that local flavor mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's it's like a nice reminder some of the stuff we're going to talk about juice drinking it's a very la thing mm-hmm. the very la alta and baja california are yes not that different no so when something takes off there it's going to come down here eventually it'll make its way down yeah when something starts here, it can actually make its way north. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's what your your hope. You know, yeah. I imagine a large part of your life's work mm-hmm. <laughs> has been uh, about greasing those skids. Yes, of course. That process. Right. I was just in in Oaxaca, and you can definitely see where all the mezcal things happening in Los Angeles, of course. You know are. Where the roots are, you know, of course, from from Oaxaca is, of course, the biggest producer and they have a big scene. But now in L.A., you can find it in a lot of bars, right? Yeah. Mixology and things like that. It's starting to creep in. It's an extreme fucking danger to Oaxaca, too, right? Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, God forbid that uh, if somebody had identified in China, like somebody identified like maguey as like a virility mm-hmm. plant, there would be no more magueys left on Earth within like six months, you know? <laughs> yeah. American appetites can mm-hmm. really fuck the oh, place up. Oh yeah, I, I'm definitely not the expert, but I I believe China uh, buys a lot of tequila. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I guess when they've just kind of like raised all of Jalisco and just planted in blue agave, and mm-hmm. you know they've got the muscle to create yeah. as much. Of course, the, yeah, no, they'll absorb it. Right? Yeah, the thing that everybody loves about, or at least me, um, about mezcal is how it's so connected to the smallness of the producers and these palenques up being up in the hills and all the different varietals of maguey. But the Oaxacans, uh, they seem to know how to defend themselves, you know, and like in, oh, their, yeah. in their land Standard and their ground, business. Yes. Yeah, so I, I can't be too uh, paternalistically mm-hmm. worried about them <laughs> for them. They know what the fuck they're doing, so... Oh. Yeah, so today is the day of the Mexican Revolution, which is underappreciated. I think most people are in the north or, you know, in terms of Mexican holidays, it's all like Drinco de Mayo, you know, mm-hmm. like and nothing else. Yeah. 
this is a big day. It was like uh, 1910. Started, um, I, I am like very hazy on the facts, but like a couple million people died in the revolution, which lent for a decade or something. And, and that's, I, I think that was the big start of like mass migration north also, like a million, I was reading somewhere that a million Mexicans during those 10 years went into the United States. Obviously, even beyond the parts that were Mexico to begin with, and and I also think that that's, I think I, I'm remembering correctly. That's almost how marijuana and cannabis came into the United States by those people that were leaving Mexico. They they brought it into the U.S. So I think there's they were like not without my stash exactly. <laughs> there's there's a, a I I believe it was one of those uh, I read it in one of those Times magazine. Uh, magazines that it's only dedicated to one topic, right? Yeah. That, that they do these specials. And they were talking about it, so so there's credit to give to Pancho Villa for getting stoned in the US, I guess. Dude, I'm 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 quite sure that MedMen has a Pancho Villa line <laughs> of, you know There's a little altar to him in the back, right? right in the stockroom. <laughs> right. And edible burro gummies or something. <laughs> exactly. You know. Excellent. That you know that I guess is the beginning of or at least a uh, a big moment in this long relationship of culture and when i was reading different things you know that you've posted or have been written about mm. you and your work one of the things uh -oh. that I, uh, <laughs> i've gone through your <laughs> yeah. wordpress blog posts yeah. uh no it's all like very um uh it's it's very uh, of, of a piece like you you have a very consistent kind of aim and goal i thought one of the ways that you put it when you were promoting uh, Cinco de Mayo thing mm -hmm. that that Mexico is the shit, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of design collective who's our mutual friend mm -hmm. Ahmed Batista's project, they were doing an LA thing and mm -hmm. you would refer to it as basically like fighting the cultural war, <laughs> right? It's like, come help us celebrate and fight the cultural war from, right. from south to north. Mm -hmm. So, so, so tell me about that war. Like, you know, what are the, uh, what are the opposing sides? Like, what are the stakes? Like, what is this cultural battle that you've been fighting for 20 years now? Right. Well, I would say for the 45 years I, I've, I've been alive, you know, being born in Tijuana, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I, I would say it might be strange to some people, but it's normal to me, of course, because it's the only thing I know. But, but of course, in the eighties, when I grew up, uh, this is of course before internet and any of that it was a i would call it a privileged place right because you would get to you would be raised to be bicultural and you would have this both sides to think my mother was was uh, luckily born in san diego she's mexican but then we had everything sorted out for us to cross the border and i remember as a kid we would cross the border to do laundry to buy milk the border crossing would take you five minutes you know, hey, who wants a hamburger? We got to go do laundry to, you know, who wants to go to McDonald's because we have to go do laundry or buy milk or something, you know? So she would pack us up in the car and we would cross the border and things. And then, for example, I, re I remember specifically things when when the, the first alternative uh, bands from Mexico started coming up, the, the first real ones, like, or Latin America, right? Uh, so the Stereo or Caifanes or Cafeta Cuba or things like that. It was strange to us in here. Like, why are they making rock with Latino? Like, this doesn't go together, right? Like, uh, I'm being informed here in the States about, you know, like I'm getting the real thing in here. There's, you know, or, or Europe or everything that was coming. Anything from 
from you know I don't know Jane's Addiction or the Red Hot Chili Peppers that 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 or the Smiths or the Stones and things like that. And when these guys are wearing guayaberas and long beards and they're you know expressing this beautiful Mexicanity, it was awkward to us to to see the real you know. So so it's it's all, I've always had a one foot in each side and and it's been very very interesting to that, yeah. to witness that. I mean, you know, as we were talking about uh before we started my mm-hmm. my mother-in-law is from Tijuana, mm-hmm. um so my wife's half Mexican and mm-hmm. probably one of the most Mexican things about her is her love of Morrissey. Right. <laughs> yes. Know? Yes. Which is like so how does that play when you have like your own emo rock groups coming up? Did you were you proud or you well, were you like well? This they, they, there's this theories about why Mexico. I think because we're very emo, maybe in Mexico. But there's of course Morrissey, The Smiths, The Cure is in that bucket for sure. Interpol, right? Mm-hmm. There's this honorary Mexican bands that that we we glorify out here. You know, so so yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but yeah, they, they were, I guess we're a little dark, we're a little emo out here. So anyway, growing back, it was a very very interesting place to me. It was a privileged place because we always had this comparison, right? I mean, I think you could cross the border, but there was always a delay pattern, like we were talking about, for things to come to Mexico. I mean, I think back in the day, the San Diego, you could see The Empire Strikes Back on theater, and then they were de- debuting Star Wars, the first one here in Tijuana, right? So there was always a little <laughs> bit like, of a delay. You crossed the border and walked back five years. <laughs> exactly, absolutely. Yeah. It was a little time traveling, but very, very interesting. I'm, I'm very, very privilege to be you know uh, not now that i see it you know from a distance or or when we were in school like in junior high school and we would travel uh, like inside to i don't know Huascalientes or to play soccer or a thing you would see the gap right you would see the distance from things i mean everything we were striving here i was going to private schooling here I mean, everybody wore Nikes. No one, nobody wore a Mexican brand, you know. So we would go in the country, and you would like, "Wow, what is this? Where is this coming from?" And and, and then you start realizing, "Oh, I, I live in a very special place," you know, with different ambitions and different things. And that brings me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the um, the mission statement, which I wanted to repeat in full. So that I'm sure that I've I've nailed it the the manifesto of Naco. <laughs> okay, wow, I ha- I haven't read that in a while, but yeah, let's give it a shot. Naco's manifesto, as it was posted on its website back uh, back from the early days, right? It was started mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, very spiritual in its acceptance of the self, <laughs> and so if one's self wants to dress in unbuttoned, brightly colored, shiny shirts skin-tight faded black jeans, gold chains, white socks, and black shoes topped off by a magnificent mullet, so be it. Yes. That is the Nako Manifesto. I still stand by it. So let's start by having you define Nako as it's used in, in kind of like, what does it mean in Mexican kind of slang? Right. Well, it's the the trying to, to put it through the... Uh, I guess the American lens, I would say would be the equivalent of white trash, right? But in Mexico, so I guess it would be brown trash. I don't know. But you, you, the naco or being brown trash or white trash, I don't think, I don't think it sees or respects any social or economic status, right? I mean, you can have um, uh, very wealthy people yeah. that are very white trashy in their way. They, they, they dress or the way they 
behave, right? And the same thing, there's there's knuckles. You know, it's just kind of a way of being and, and the idea we, and, and I think the word has evolved and it's changed and it has different perceptions. Now, I think we help may, maybe, you know, shape that a little bit for, with what we did because it was very popular. But the, the genesis of it, when we, my business partner, Robbie, and I at that point, what we're trying to do, we were just playing around with um, with the idea of let's make a T-shirt that nobody would wear, right? And we say, okay, why don't we put Nako in it, right? And then that's kind of the genesis of it. But then if you also look at the beginning of the brand and going by, back to this um, being bicultural, one of our first design was the one that said Star Wars, Right, E S T A R G U A R S, as opposed to Star Wars. A right? deeply phonetic rendering of like a Mexican accent, Star Wars. Right, yeah. but but that happened. Uh, that that was a literal inter- interpretation of what we were living in a sense that that uh, when I moved from Tijuana to L.A. to go to art school, I would catch myself saying, "Oh, why do I say Star Wars and not Star Wars?" Right. And 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 then we started celebrating that, right? And 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 uh, I guess I mean when you're 20 years old, you you can only pick from what you're living in. You know, you don't have a lot of a huge portfolio of options, right? Yeah. So so we were again lucky enough to be born in this place that gave us all these little gems, and and we were and we were I guess tuned in enough to pick them up. Right. And and kind of using the Naco brand and, you know, company that you mm-hmm. built to, to situate yourself somewhat mm-hmm. there. So when you're going to Aguascalientes and seeing mm-hmm. these kids who don't have the border money mm-hmm. and, and so on, you know, you're they're kind of like a different form from you. You feel different when you're in L.A. because mm-hmm. of the way that you pronounce Star right. Wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So who's the Naco there? Is like is it can it be anybody? Is it the, the poor kids in Aguascalientes? Or it's you in L.A. You see, for example, to me, of course, being in Tijuana, I would think that, that, and this, of course, me being completely ignorant and naive at that point, to me, for example, we would almost make fun of the kid in, in school that would uh, wear a Mexican brand, like Tennis Panam, right? Like Panam sneakers who have now made a revival and are the coolest thing to wear in Mexico, right? But for example, that would be Naco to us, right? You know, and and then but but I'll tell you what, maybe to that kid in Aguascalientes, they would say, "Look at these kids wearing all American stuff, aren't they Mexican?" So we might look Naco to them, you know. So it's a matter of perception. Uh, right? That's interesting, and I guess in the you know in the eyes of a fresa or the uh, you know the strawberry as they call them, which is right. kind of the, the well in the eyes of the fresa, you know, riding public transportation would be not cool, right? <laughs> right, that's true. It's a uh, it's a real aspirational lifestyle thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Being fresa, right? So the strawberries aside, you you had it. This was a way for you to kind of like think about identity for yourself, of course, and like uh-huh. and across the border. That original question is a kind of a crazy question. Why try to make a T-shirt that nobody would wear? Like, is it were you just being like punk or nihilist yeah, about exactly. it? Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. What what would be you know, just trying to go against the the current, you know, against the system or something like that. And and uh, I mean, but that's what art school. What you do, you know, you challenge yourself and you post these questions and see if there's, you know. But we actually brought this one to life and and it caught fire. Yeah, in a in in a pretty astonishing way, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, 
I'm trying to get a sense of like the the boundaries of the empire, you know, at its greatest height. <laughs> but I mean, you dressed Juanes for the Grammys. Right. You, and didn't you have like you were opening restaurants or something? Well, at one point we we opened yeah one in Mexico and then one briefly in Colombia. All right, yeah. that's fucking crazy yeah. to go from like making a T-shirt to uh -huh. just like okay, now we got a restaurant in Colombia. Right? Yeah, we had our own stores. We would be maybe in a, around I don't know two hundred shops or all around Mexico. You know, Diego Luna was our our, our partner and big supporter. You know, uh, really really good friend. Very grateful to him for you know supporting he's, us. He's a he's a good dude. I think he had traveled around with my partner Matt and yeah. Jose Andres uh in ah. Spain or something and Very you know cool. uh he just sounded like he sounded like a very fucking intellectually cleaned in dude. Oh yeah, man. Um, and, and he's very very committed, you know, to helping the community and to giving back, you know, and of course he's destroying it with a Star Wars projects and a Star, Narcos and a Star, Star Wars, Wars projects and <laughs> right. Well, I hope they don't link him back to it because he might get in trouble. I mean, oh, by the way, you owe some royalties to the company. We're gonna <laughs> deduct them from your check. That's right. You were out there siphoning off of the <laughs> brand. That's. I mean, but I, I mean that alone. I mean, obviously, Diego's like his own thing and was going to be a star no matter what. Yes, but yes, the the idea of coming from you know this kind of like having this severe distance between you know the mexican view of star wars and the pronunciation of mm -hmm. it and now that like right. you know it, the biggest star mm -hmm. in star wars now is a mexican uh -huh. dude uh it's it's kind of um <laughs> it's kind of awesome yeah uh, absolutely and then you had uh Naco nights right you had like concerts yeah, and uh -huh. got involved in music and right we did i think we did the first sneaker collaboration with a u.s brand in mexico we did a collab with vans right we did um we did this thing where we put Naco stickers on inside uh, potato chip bags, you know, Sabritas bags. I think yep. it was 110 million bags of chips. So so we were on everybody's hands, literally, right? And then the uh, ch the chips, the, the, they all had a little sticker, different stickers. I don't know, there was 20 or 30. And they had a Naco meter in the back that, that would gauge how you could just check yourself how Naco you were, you know, and they would say things like, like, do you clap when the airplane lands? You know, <laughs> how often do you do it or something like that, right? So you can grade yourself, you know? Amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't only clap, but I pray and I cross myself. Oh, shit, you're 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 a real knuckle, right? Or, 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 or maybe the, the, the not-so-knuckle answer would be, oh, my private plane lands so smooth that I don't even notice when we land, right? That's right. Uh, so stuff like that. That's, That's fun. That's amazing. 110 million stickers. And and like yeah. you said, I think like in in a theme that that comes up a lot in, you know, the articles that have been written about mm -hmm. you and when you're talking, you know, for yourself and your brand is that idea of like learning to accept yourself as Mexicans, you know, mm -hmm. which has always been right. um, a big issue. And I guess that's the thing with with Naco is like you're not just saying like, hey, you know, Mexicans can be cool with our mm -hmm. Nikes. But you're taking the thing that Mexicans like, you know, universally kind of look down on and would not mm -hmm. have thought to be proud of. Right. And you're making like a fucking mm -hmm. cool international brand out of it. Yeah. And, and that was also the the other side of it. Right. Wearing a Star Wars T-shirt also made made you say, you know what? I have an accent and I'm proud of it. You know, this is me. I'm I'm caught between, you know, Mexico and the U.S. or I might not be perfect to the eyes of an American, but it's almost time to to. Uh, just honor who we are, right? You know, it's happened. I think it ha it's happening to a lot of us where where you you encounter a person that that you 
he looks Latino or Mexican and you speak to them in Spanish at, let's say, at a restaurant or something and they come back to you in English, like, right? So, so, so I think for us it was also about embracing your Mexicani Mexicanity or biculturalness or it's about embracing who we were at that point in time and, and, and the hybrid yeah, I mean, cultures. It's, and it's kind of amazing to think that was 20 years ago and, mm -hmm. and it was a different moment in the border and certainly a different moment mm -hmm. in, in politics. Oh, yeah. um, brand Mexico, as you know, as our president is trying to establish it, mm -hmm. is some deeply fucked up shit. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I, I don't even know, I don't know what, what it just feels impossible uh, to get to a good place when you have a guy who starts his campaign by saying Mexicans are rapists mm -hmm. and has continued to just, uh -huh. I mean, push the envelope and mm -hmm. it's, it's trickled down even as I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, like some incidents at like my son's middle school or just people talking shit about Mexicans and you know, my kids identify as that. And like, that's like, it's really fucked up and that's in mm -hmm. Manhattan. That's mm -hmm. in like liberal. And you just realize that like how ugly I mean, just how extremely ugly the way that people talk about Mexicans is. And like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I guess it was always there. And maybe, you mm -hmm. know, this joker has allowed it to flower, you know, like yeah. uh, mushrooms and shit. But like, mm -hmm. there's something that's like, there's a big need for, and I don't know. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time here. I don't sense that Mexicans are feeling any worse about themselves because of what yeah. that asshole is know. saying. But still, like, how do you... How do you combat, I guess? Um, I guess it fuels you to be who you are, right? And say, no, we're not that. So I'm just going to be better of what I am so that, that, that I guess the world notices. I'm, I'm not, not sure if you saw what I, I posted today, but I posted this, just this one-liner on Instagram that says, God bless America, Latina. I did. I did <laughs> see that, yes. Right. So that's a new a new project that I'm I'm starting actually the idea the idea comes from the friend of a friend that that but my friend Rodrigo Roji he's the he's a an amazing tattoo artist in uh, in Mexico City and um, he came across this line through a friend of his and he asked him if, if he could commercialize it in a way or just put it out so we're gonna be releasing a, a little capsule collection just you know, very simple. It's just everything is white. It's just the one sentence, and it says "God bless America Latina." And then the manifesto has to do with it's not about geography or it's not about a place, which of course you know hits on on the whole political tone right now. But it's about just who you are and what you have running through your veins. You know, it's about that flavor, right? So, so, so we're playing around with that. Oh, that's right badass. Now. Also, because in the U.S., the concept of America is a country. And for us, the concept of America is a continent, right? Yeah. And I, last I checked in the map, it was still a continent. I, I you know, to uh, to raise my hand, I do this shit all the time. And I'm like constantly re-recording. Even when we were doing like episodes in Canada, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just like American Thanksgiving. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, actually, right, exactly. <laughs> Canada is also America. Right. So uh, as, as ungainly as it mm -hmm. is to say U.S. or United States, that's kind of the, that's what we're actually talking about. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, the, the uh, NACO chapter closed uh, uh, a few years back but I, but i guess you know it's it's in the dna you know in my dna that that i keep uh running through this uh, uh, through two ideas like like it or or i just gravitate to, uh, towards them i think they're very very powerful 
you know. So so taking that, you know, taking this God bless America and just adding that little, you know, cherry on top there to switch it all up. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, that's yeah. And I love that. Like it's something always with that little punchline, like, you know, that for a while you would see a lot of these red MAGA hats in right. New York City. But then when you got closer, we would say, make America gay again, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then you're just like, okay, mm -hmm. taking, taking somebody who's might, you know, maybe somebody's make America, make America Mexico again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I appreciate that effort. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like, I mean, this, I, you had said that at, at uh, I think you gave a talk in New York where you were kind of outlining like what the creative process is for you and what's important. And it starts mm -hmm. off with like simplicity and humor. Uh -huh. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a good things. way to communicate, you know, to be strong. Yeah. And so you don't have to. Don't let them see you mad. <laughs> right. Like your like your response to these things. Obviously, like my instant reaction is just be so angry about this stuff. But you having lived, you know, uh, in, in, in this war for much longer and with, you know, much more personal stakes, obviously you're, you're like, okay, we fight them with humor, you know? Right. We, we take their words and put mm -hmm. them back on them. We, right. you know, mm -hmm. expose the ridiculousness. Yeah. What wasn't uh, just, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to be too much off topic, but it wasn't. I don't, there's no such thing. Obamacare, that the term was a derogative term, right? There were, there were teasing him with that right, right. they and wanted they, to saddle him exactly with oh it. obamacare was supposed to be this negative thing right and then he turned it on them and it became something positive that he was very proud and he spoke proudly about right you know, so I, I love and i guess that's when when the word mexican alone is supposed to be a slur right you know uh -huh. in the united states but mexico uh -huh. knows what it has and i think mexican americans mm -hmm. know what they what they are and what they've done so then they can just uh -huh take that with pride and just be yeah. like and I, I guess the the opposite of that could be what happened to the world word chilango it used to be a pride thing right and now i think some people use it to to define so i i would say i mean still people use it in a positive way like being a chilango which means being from mexico city but but also there's a way and you could use it to call a naco from Mexico City. Oh, interesting. Like you're being such a chilango, like you're being such a fresa, or you're being such a a, a boy from the capital, I guess. Or well, you, you know, didn't you make like at some point Chilangolandia shirts? Right, exactly. <laughs> because that that was our other kind of mission, you know, which I really like to to make physical those things that exist in our humor and our in our conscious culture or whatever but that had never been materialized you know so we would call you know we uh you would hear a lot of people saying where were you on oh, chilangolandia right so it was but it, and it ended there so we decided to take upon ourselves to make the official souvenir of chilangolandia right <laughs> so that people could actually go to mexico city and buy it you right know, and say where were you well <laughs> was chilangolandia yeah isn't this obvious i'm wearing this shirt right like if you were going to disneyland or new york and we made the i love dfa similar to the I Love New York for the same reasons, right? We made a Tijuana shirt just to make a Tijuana shirt that was cool. So, so yeah, man, we, we played around with a lot of things. So the Naco chapter is closed, but, you know, but again, a lot of the work that you do and seems, mm -hmm. you know, seems to be in that same, playing in that same space. Um, what are some projects? I know you've got the coffee shop in LA. Mm -hmm. Like, what I, I read something about, Los Nerds van al Museo or something about the LACMA thing. Uh, I don't think that was me, but... 
did you have a museum you were like hooked somebody up with some museum project yeah maybe it was a band kinky where yeah. i hooked them up at lakma to go play or something yeah maybe. yeah it was just i love the headline it was like in the monterey paper like, oh okay so you so the nerds of museo oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i i think it might have been because they did um they asked me to help them curate a, a musicians from mexico because they had this program where they asked the band to to redo the music of a film live okay you know and they did word science oh shit weird science that's that's great you got some great musical options in there yeah yeah so so maybe that's where that one's coming from it sorry it escaped me for, uh, for a little bit you're so, too busy there's just yeah. too many fucking projects on, <laughs> yeah, around. I, I am so while Nako's going along you know and this this is what happens also with, with um with corporate or big business once you make a mark and you start talking to your demographic right and and, and to your peers i guess because you're at, at that point you are the same age right and then all the brands have been struggling and spending millions of dollars on trying to communicate with them and you've opened it right you you establish this communication they relate to you and they wear your product so now they all come rushing and knocking on your door you know like can you since you're having this dialogue, can you throw my brand in there, right? So they're all trying to collaborate with you or, or hire you to sell them creative or things like that, right? They want to piggyback off of you. So it, it, when Nako started, I also, there was that part, that component. And there was also, uh, uh, which was fine because, be, uh, I mean, it's just part of the whole thing. Uh, and then there was, of course, a lot of the uh, cr other creatives doing things at the same time uh, where we would, you know, do joint projects together or they would ask us to to design their records or help with their merch or their their identity for their restaurants or things like that or their films. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, having a magic touch with branding is like, a, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like being a fucking wizard in our, you know. Yeah, man. It, it's not an easy one to do. So, so when Nako started, parallel to that, I, I always had my design studio, right? I, I would offer freelance design and branding services, and that turned into its whole thing. So, so through that, uh, when Nako was starting, I was lucky enough to hook up with Gustavo Santaolalla, mm. uh, the musician who won two Academy Awards for doing music for, I think he did. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot, but the Academy Awards were for Brokeback Mountain and Babel from Alejandro González Iñárritu. Mm -hmm. and, and he at that time, he was producing Molotov and Juanes and Café Tacuba and Julieta Venegas and Maldita Vecindad and all, all those bands. So so he was kind of a, him and his partner, Aníbal Kerpel, were, were mentors to me at that point. They, they, they opened a the door for me. They asked me to help them design records and things for their label. So I don't think I probably with them I probably designed maybe twenty records, you know, did all the creative for little bands in Uruguay, in Chile, in Argentina, and Mexico, and then big bands also. So so I mean I think at this point maybe I've designed close to eighty records or something like that. Damn. So so it's fun, man. Yeah. I mean music is another one of my passions. I mean one of the main Naco uh, logos and spinoffs was the ACDC logo, right? That with the NA then the bolt and the co so we were always very musical also with some of our inspiration yeah so, judas tadeo right uh -huh, judas tadeo for <laughs> judas priest right. yeah and then so so the, yeah there's been a lot of branches you know also around that time when we were starting we hooked up with the the directors of coachella and we've worked with coachella for almost 20 years now 
you know, and, and uh, doing a lot of creative. And at the beginning, we were doing a little bit of uh, consulting in regards to us what was happening in the music in the in the Latin American music landscape? Yeah, stuff. So so yeah, man. There's been a lot of, a lot of stuff. So that all all of that work continues. Right. Uh huh. Exactly. We're still engaged with Coachella. We're still doing a lot of records. Uh, we did Los Tigres del Norte a couple months ago. The the beautiful record they did at Folsom Prison. That that was so sick. And yeah. just the style, like yeah. the, how they rolled up. And, oh and yeah. Fucking. Oh, they're hard. Johnny Cash. Oh yeah. Um, the whole thing. Redux. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, fun things like that. So, so we've always, you know, been sharpening our pencil, I guess, and doing creative. How, uh, how, where do you live now? I mean, are you in LA? Are you I, in I'm, Tijuana? I'm based in LA. Yeah, my wife is from Tijuana, and of course, so am I. So, and we just had a baby six months ago. Oh shit! Congratulations! So, so thank you. So, uh, we've been spending some time in Tijuana lately, just because the grandparents are here, and we can delegate some responsibilities is this your first baby yes all right Uh uh-huh so that that brings up a bunch of thoughts right about like you know what world is this child coming Uh, into absolutely and then is he going to be educated in the u.s or right have you all made all your decisions no not yet (laughs) we're 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 still trying to find uh Six hours of sleep in, in one, you know. <laughs> that's a, that's probably like the best first starting point for parental decisions is <laughs> exactly. realize that you're not in your right fucking mind. <laughs> exactly. you know? to be making decisions. <laughs> right. And I, so, so I, I mean, I've been in L.A. for probably 22, 23 years because I yeah. moved out there to go to college. And I've always stayed there when NACO was really big and firing on all cylinders. I had an apartment in Mexico City that I would spend a lot of time in because we had our headquarters out there. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess I would be... You know, L.A. is my base, a lot of Mexico City, a lot of Tijuana, uh, some work, but also a lot of family well, things. And then, and then a little bit of uh, Brooklyn, New York, because I collaborate with uh, with uh, Remezcla. Oh, sure. Which is... Uh, yeah, those guys are great, man. Yeah, which is, uh, I guess, a multimedia platform. It's a, it's right? a media brand. It's one of the ones yeah. that we always look at, and you're like, you know, these guys are yeah, legit. Yeah, like, they're pretty tuned in. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they have a, a very cool voice. And I think they're probably one of the most popular uh, in regards to the the U.S. Hispanic millennial market. They really have a good dialogue with, 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 with that demographic, which is very desirable for all brands right now. Yeah, I was just thinking like, boy, I bet Coke is just trying to throw money at those dudes, you know. <laughs> so so I, I collaborate with them a lot for like about 10 years. Uh, Andrew Herrera, the, the founder there, is one of my good friends. So, so I also make the uh, hike out to, yeah. to to Bushwick where where they are right now to Bushwicklandia so you're in all these different places you have uh yet to decide whether your child is going to you know physically be from here and kind of grow up in Tijuana versus LA versus somewhere i, I mean does it even matter i guess in in a sense yeah no i think look i i like i, I like being in los angeles and being a creative i think it's a good place to be and, and, you know, I mean, I would say there's creative work in a lot of places, but it's it's more well-respected and recognized and, and, and it's well-paid in the U.S. In, in, in Mexico, it's hard, man. It, it's hard for creatives. And, and, and I don't think it, it ha- they, they put the value to it that it sometimes deserves, right? So I think California is a good place for me in regards to work. And I'm not sure if I'm really that torn in regards to being born in 
in uh, being uh, educating my kid in in uh, in Mexico or the U.S. because he would always have a Mexican household. Yeah, right. So so that's going to be his first education. I I guess I do. I, I am more concerned about him being a, in a more creative environment when it comes to education and things like that. Yeah, I, the Mex- Mexican schools have a reputation of being like, now write this down and repeat yeah, after me. I. I didn't have fun going to school here. You know, me being a creative kid, you know, and 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 having all all this uh, need to to find some creative outlets. The, Tijuana was tough for me in that sense. You know, like why the fuck am I taking this chemistry class, man? I'm really not into it, and I'm not. I don't want to do it. I'm not gonna use it. It's not what I want to do. Like I, it was challenging to me. And then, uh, just to put it in contrast, when I went to art center, I aced the whole thing. I graduated probably highest of my class. I don't remember, and I didn't even remember making an effort. That must have been a, such a mind fuck to oh, go yeah. to a place where like they celebrate all the stuff that made you a bad student or right, right. Un- unhappy uh, or student. Bomb out here, right? <laughs> but I'll tell you what. For I'll, 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 uh, I mean, just to to paint a little Tijuana picture and what happens when. When, when, for, and, and this is coming from the privileged side, right? Because, I mean, my parents were our middle class. They made an effort for me to go to a private school. They, my dad's an accountant. He works very hard, of course, to put us, me and my two brothers to school. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. You know, she did her thing, and I, she had her hands full with us. But, for example, when I was 18, I, I had graduated high school. I had my... My mind said that I wanted to go to the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, a very prestigious art school, probably one of the best in the country. It's a private school. It's expensive. And it's it's not about money. You have to have a good portfolio to get in, right? So they review your work. So I was going to um, – I started going to a Southwestern College here in Chula Vista, just across the border, to get some – GE done and some art classes so I can build a portfolio, right? So I have something to show for myself. And uh, and while we were there, the um, we were starting to look at, okay, what's do you think I could apply in a year or in two years? Like, where am I? So we would visit different campuses in San Francisco just to see what was out there. But I was fixed on Art Center. And uh, so we applied, my friend Ricardo and I applied for a minority scholarship, right, for some night courses in and we both got him. It was amazing, but then it was a blessing in disguise. But the blessing was that there was a tiger inside of the gift, right? There was this beast because then this would be my days. I would wake up in Tijuana around 5 a.m., cross the border to go to Southwestern College. You know, the border way could be anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, right? You would driving, right? Uh-huh, driving okay, in a shit. car. Uh-huh. So shit. either I would pick up Ricardo or he would pick up me, you know, or carpool or something like that. So we would drive. We would go to Southwestern. I, I I think I would do a couple of classes, like from eight to eleven or something like that. I would go to Burger King there in Chula Vista, work a couple of hours, drive to Pasadena, you know, do the night course from eight p.m. to ten p.m. because those are the night classes, and then drive back to Tijuana. Jesus, dude! Like once or twice a week. Wow. Yeah, for maybe six months or something like that. So I, I mean. I mean, I, I was a privileged kid, and, and and that was the grind, you know. Right. So for a middle class Mexican, that's that's also a life that that you have to go through to be able to get the things you want. Right. This, exactly. I mean, I I set myself without knowing it, you know, a big goal. Right. I mean, I want to go to art center, and and it's a big school, and it's hard to get in and stuff, you know. But but I mean, I guess right, you aim high, right, and then see where you land. 
But but yeah, man, it was a hustle. I more than anything, I'm surprised I didn't get into an accident driving back. You know, like yeah, falling just asleep like at the wheel. super tired. Yes, and, yeah. yes, I remember. You know, it is. Yeah, I mean the the extreme uh, the extreme hustle of Mexicans feels to me like an elemental force that transcends Pro- class yeah. and like you know. I think, for example, that's why we're we're there's a lot of great Mexican boxers. For example, they're fighters, right? We're fighters, I guess. So so yeah, man. I mean that that that's the. Uh, the fresa hustle, I guess, you know, because of course there's people that are undocumented and, and that's a, a whole journey that it's way, way deeper than mine, you know? Right. And there's, there's a lot of different levels of, right. of, of risk that might go into oh, it. Of, of course. But still that's, that's mm-hmm. the, the, that's the thing. And, it, and, you know, as a, um, as a parent also like, how do you how to communicate those values mm-hmm. to your kid like without having them maybe have to be forged in mm-hmm. uh you know in iron or right. uh, in in the fire but right. uh but yeah that does feel like there's got to be there's got to be some genetic component that's just like you know this <laughs> yeah. is like it's built into the dna like right. it's, this is not the first rodeo for mm-hmm. mexicans who are have to like yeah. take three jobs or like figure out how to yeah. how to make their way in a hostile world you know mm-hmm. and, and then for example just to contrast that I think that's really good to have, right? That drive and that mentality and that hustle. But you know, being now in the in America, in the U.S., right, for for twenty uh, something years, I think there's another side to it that 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 at least I missed when I was growing up. For example, I think there's a lot of value to, and 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 for lack of better words, of uh, I'm just gonna say of going to play golf on Saturday. And networking and meeting people and things like that, right? I think there's as much of value of that because uh, without the right contacts, that's the whole other part, you know. So the hustle I was doing was getting me a skill, right? And and it was putting me in a place where where people I needed to meet also because now all those dudes and girls are art directors at big studios or at record companies and things like that but you also have to play that card as well right you have to go out for drinks or or you know and and go play golf on sundays not not that i play golf but i guess that's the that's the metaphor the metaphor for it right what what, but, what, what artists what's their version of playing golf yeah exactly yeah you have to do an ayahuasca trip with them right? <laughs> there it is so 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 yeah i think there's that, that there's that other part of the hustle that you have to play. Right. Right. Well, especially, you know, you're, you traffic in ideas in mm-hmm. a way that's like, it's not about time and seat. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I was um, just giving this lecture in Oaxaca and this kid was asking me, so how do I get to a record label? You know, how do I get to a band? You know, and and then that's the other side of the hustle. You know, how, how do you, you know? Well, you start knocking on doors, you start going to shows, you start to try to hang out backstage and see who you meet, or you go to the local bar and, and ask, you know, the local band, hey, can I design a T-shirt for you? And you figure your way in, you know? But then there's that other hustle, right? Uh, did he seem satisfied with the answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he I, I think he was missing that step. And I said, no, man, you got to start with the lowest hanging fruit. Like, who's you got to know a musician, you know, you got to know one guy and then you do that and you put it on your social now or, or your portfolio and you build yourself something with local until, you know, something opens up, you know, what is the creative community here in Tijuana? And like, what is it, what does it need for the people who can't be across the border and, and kind of, you know, have that commute, I guess, what, what does it need to kind of 
make sure that the next kid coming up who maybe doesn't have a visa is able to have a great life doing great work. Right. That's that's a very, very loaded question in a sense. Uh, let me start by saying that I think Tijuana is in a great point right now creatively and, and uh, from an entrepreneurial point, right? I think there was a wave of violence, maybe I would say. I'm trying to think maybe 10, 8 years ago where yeah. the whole Revolution Street shut down. There wasn't any tourism coming in. And then the local entrepreneurs took it to themselves. Like, I'm going to open my little microbrewery. I'm going to take it because now all the brick and mortar shops were really cheap, right? Because no one was renting them, especially around here in downtown. So I think a lot of the local guys took their little microbrewery out of their garage and they say, well, I'm going to give it a shot, right? And they started opening their own food trucks and little restaurants. And then the whole Valle de Guadalupe is developing. So I think from a design, branding, creative point, there's a lot of work. Yeah. Right? Because there's all these things happening, which is very, very exciting. I did. Yeah. Like Telefonica, right. Gastro Beautiful. Park. Beautiful. Like... I would think there's, I don't know, 50 microbreweries in Tijuana right now. That's nuts. Shout out. You would wanted to bring a beer, but we had to schedule this for 10 in the morning <laughs> yes. after you've been on a mezcal trip to Oaxaca. <laughs> exactly. so, but what was the beer you wanted to, you would wanted to bring? Well, there, there's, uh, I, there's a few I like, I like, uh, border cycle. Uh, my, my brother is involved with them. I like it. They have a whole punk rock attitude to it. So that's, that one's kind of fun. All right. And, and, uh, but, but there's a, there's a lot of them, you know, and then, now the question is, right, there's all this work, right? There's all these brands that need to get branded, right? Uh, from boutique hotels to wineries to labels for wines to all these microbreweries to restaurants to, to but there's a lot, right? So now my other question is, how do we get these local entrepreneurs that are spending their own hard-earned pesos to appreciate a branding work, right? Mm. And not wanting to throw... I'll give you 300 bucks to do this, right? Because it's an integral. I mean, it's a, they might spend, I don't know, $50,000 on the little restaurant, but they want to spend 500 on 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 the bow that you're going to put on your, on your business card, uh, quote unquote, right? For this project that you're building, you know? So how do we get them to understand that this is as valuable as your product, as your building, as, you know, your customer service, having good branding, I mean got to have social media presence and all right. that you know you got to do it the right way so the ecosystem is here but the education around like right the appreciation presenting yourself exactly yeah. right and and i think there is because for example i think some people mm, are understanding i'm getting some work in tijuana where where people are saying um I want someone maybe with a little bit more expertise or that has been around a little more you know but but then i i that's always part of my speech, you know, I, like speech. I, I live in Los Angeles, so I, I can give you Tijuana prices. You know, there might be a little friends and family deal thrown in there because I want to do it. It brings me out here close to my family. I get to bring the grandkid down, you know, right. and, and all that. And I want to do it and, and I love it and I want and I want to do cool things and I'm passionate about this stuff that's going out here, but I definitely can't give it away. Right. It's know? going to be at a premium. So right. when people come to you and, and still decide that they want to get some of that right. traveling mm-hmm. goodness, then that right. that's a sign that they're taking this shit seriously. Right, exactly. And there is some of that, right? Yeah. I, I've, uh, um, I'm working with this uh, uh, food and wine festival in the Valle de Guadalupe that I'm involved because I'm doing all the creative for it. That's so, right. So it's very cool. I'm involved... Uh, with this winery called La Lomita out in Valle de Guadalupe that 
makes great wine. I've designed some of their labels and done some creative work. I have a good friendship with them. So, so yeah, man, there's always things happening. And yep. I can see more and more as there's a lot of competition, there, there, the, uh, the design work is going to have to be elevated for you to separate yourself from, I mean, from the wine is such a crazy billboard, you know, right. just on uh -huh. every bottle. Right. Uh, it's like your narco mm -hmm. tests and 110 yeah. million, like there's right. like very wide distributed and right. the look and the logo is the product really, you know, until right. people like crack it open. Right. And I think, you know, all the designers in Tijuana, they, they probably all have a WhatsApp group, right? Cause, <laughs> cause that's what people do. Yes. Well, that's what people do. They should just say no more selling logos for, $300 or a branding project, right? Our base now it's 2000, you know, and start from there, you know, because people do give away. They, I guess you will always find someone to do it for 50 bucks cheaper or something like that, you know? So there needs yeah. to be some solidarity, I, I some solidarity, yeah. well, listen. Some, some grouping, some texting together or gatherings, right? And that's how you form, you know, the Tijuana design group or I don't know, something they need to put together and they start, you know, you were having this conversation. You were sitting across, uh, you know, from a member of a tribe that had sold itself out so hardcore, you know, in U.S. media, just like giving it away for free, seeing competent like competition as, you know, mm -hmm. the ultimate uh, aim and not realizing that we were all selling our services down to the lowest dollar uh, right. as journalists and as publications. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, they're. It could not be overstated. Right. Uh, you've seen what happened to journalism because everybody oh, yeah. was just like, "Hey, let's give it away for free," right. and you know, and now writers make fucking five cents a word, mm. and uh, and that's what advertisers think it's worth. So yes, yeah. get on that WhatsApp group. You, do you want a designers? <laughs> exactly. Defend yourself and your rates. I just saw this uh, post on on social media on the MySpace um, where where this guy was making a, a let's hope I don't murder it. He was making a uh, a recipe you know just taking doing that shot from the top where they see what you're cooking but the plate was empty and he was adding empty stuff and and he said this is, I'm, I'm making this beautiful meal for me and my family from all the exposure i'm getting from all the projects that i'm doing for free i definitely retweeted that on my something on my yeah, twitter right? yeah yeah so, no doubt so so is, yeah man. Uh, that's what the world wants to feed us. Exactly, uh, exactly. But you're gonna get all this exposure, man. People are gonna see it. I have, you know, a million followers, man. You should uh, work for me for free. Yeah, and I can imagine, like, if that, if that argument went over well in the states or was successful, you know, in, in its sort of terrible way, um, how this kid in Oaxaca who's desperate to start, yeah. uh, you know, working with bands and mm -hmm. and you know how it would be even more susceptible. You know, they're not right. coming from a position of strength if you're not a well-off kid in mm -hmm. Mexico. You know, so. Yeah, that's uh, gotta gotta get together, get that get mm -hmm. that community uh, mm -hmm. going, Aligned. and then everybody just understands like, hey, this is the price, this is what this shit costs, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I mean, I don't know, lawyers do it; they all seem to charge up from three hundred an hour and up, right? They're all they their WhatsApp group started a long time yeah, ago. A long time ago, they got aligned pretty quick. Uh, that's that's exactly right. Um, all right, cool. Well, what are we going to see next uh, coming from you? We got God bless America Latina. Right. Uh, what else is like? What's the next one? One other thing that's in the in the what we're we'll, we are already working on um, on Coachella and Stagecoach 2020. I mean, that's a studio that uh, that's a project that we've we've done for a while and we're very happy to be part of that team you know it's a it's a monster now of a 
of a project and, and there's really cool people involved and we're very happy to be part of that team. The The Food and Wine Festival is coming back again for October of the next year. October of next year. Uh-huh. Uh, bigger and better than ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so we're doing that and um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, a good one. I'm I'm doing a clothing line uh, just based on Tijuana, just celebrating Tijuana. Okay. So that's probably gonna. You're launch. burying the lead. What's the uh, so? What's the Tijuana clothing line like? It, it's uh. What can what can you say at this point? Yeah, it's gonna be celebrating Tijuana icons. Uh huh. Oh shit. I think we'll leave it at that. Okay. We talking about like politicians or like La Juana or. Uh, <laughs> no more. More in line with um, with what we're talking about with the entrepreneurs and the companies that started here a hundred oh, years ago. Okay, and, and I don't know, maybe we'll throw in a line of apparel for your favorite taqueria out there or something like that. You know, all right. So like very, very rooted in celebrating. You know, because because Tijuana, being that it's really close to the U.S., has a very rich, uh, has a very rich iconography, graphic history you know, in the streets and from local entrepreneurs and businesses and things like that. Some things that still exist right now, some things that are long gone that we want to honor and things like that. So we want to do it all through an apparel line. Retro celebratory, yeah. backward looking, forward facing mm-hmm. yeah. Tijuana clothing line. All of that in one t-shirt. <laughs> all right, we'll get back to work then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got a baby and a business mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, man. I appreciate you coming in, Eduardo. Thank you. And, appreciate uh, it, man. Making uh, making the time to make it happen. If there's still someone listening out there that that went through the whole our whole conversation, thank you for staying. <laughs> appreciate it. They love it. This <laughs> is what they come for every week. Awesome. Uh, thanks, man. Thank you. The trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our producer. Music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next week, we will be with one of the culinary stars of this part of the world from either side of the border, Rufo Ibarra. We talked about the gilded little speakeasy he's got tucked away in the back of his restaurant, and then we roll to Valle de Guadalupe to drink cold tecates and meet the people who grow the ridiculously good things that have powered and will power his Baja cuisine. We will meet you there. <laughs>